Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, nursing professor, and mom of four teens. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We will explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. My co-host for this series will be Pastor Brian Haynes, who will guide us through the spiritual impacts and help us grow our faith. Let's explore conversation keys together and get started. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Dr. Nurse Mama Podcast. Today we're talking about vaping, how to recognize the health threat you never saw coming. I hope you have your copy of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. We are in book chapter five here. If you missed the first podcast episodes, go back and take a listen so you are up to speed on our journey together. So here we are, vaping. You probably have questions. I know I did, and I still do. What is vaping anyway? Juuling, hookah, beaties, puff bars, pod refills, disposables, vape juice. Mercy, we all have questions. Here is the starting point. Teens today see smoking as bad for you. They recognize that. There's no more meeting up in the basement behind a shed in a field somewhere in the weeds behind the schoolyard or some other sketchy place to pass around a Marlboro, turning green and throwing up at the first drag. Then your clothes reeked of smoke after just one puff and you were telling your parents up and down it was someone else. We've all seen this scenario. Maybe it was you, your sibling, a friend, or... Maybe you just saw it happen to Greg on the Brady Bunch. Let's contrast that with the way teens see vaping. That's a very different story. Vaping is normalized in teen culture, adult culture too. How many of you have been in a sports stadium and you've seen a huge vape cloud escape to the ceiling right in front of you? To understand this, we have to consider the way teen brains develop. Teen brains don't usually mature until the early 20s. Your teen needs your help and guidance in thinking through long-term consequences. Teens do not think of vaping and smoking as the same thing. While most teens see smoking as unhealthy, most teens think vaping is harmless and, in some cases, even healthy. I'm serious. When we are talking about vaping, we are talking about vapor. So we're just talking about flavored water, right? How many of you use a powder add-in to your water? It's really not hard to see how teens can see these as equivalent. With teen-friendly flavors like unicorn milk and cotton candy and gummy bear, these devices are clearly marketed to teens, and it's easy to see why it's so appealing. Look up videos of the vaping Olympics, if you dare. Yes, there actually is such a thing. And see vape tricks that will boggle your mind. These devices are also very easy to conceal, even through the drawstrings of a hoodie especially made for vaping. 
Yes, we now have fashion for vaping, which further normalizes it. Vapes can look like lipsticks, pens, key fobs, or flash drives. This means it's hard for parents to spot. And listen to this. Your teen could be criminally charged if found in possession of something they may just think is a flash drive they're holding for a friend. So yes, we need to talk to our teens about it, even if we think there's no way they would ever vape. It was not easy for teens in our generation growing up to conceal a cigarette. You had to go down to the corner gas station to even get cigarettes. Teens now pass these among each other like candy. Older teens buy them for younger teens. They get them from stores or, in some cases, online even. The legal purchase limit of e-cigs was recently raised from 18 to 21. I was there on Capitol Hill when those discussions were happening. The lobbying pressure was intense. And we should just pause here and explore the history of vaping for just a minute. Hookah is actually connected back to the ancient world, telling us, in some ways, there's nothing new under the sun. But the first e-cig prototype was actually made in the 1930s, but never commercialized. Herbert Gilbert, a businessman, Korean War veteran, and two-pack-a-day smoker who worked in his father's scrapyard in Pennsylvania, is generally considered the inventor of the modern e-cig. It was patented, but not produced or marketed. The word vape came in 1979 from research done by a computer pioneer in conjunction with his personal physician. How about that? Brings to mind shows like I Love Lucy or physicians doing advertisements for cigarettes. The more we know. But the modern e-cig is generally attributed to a Chinese pharmacist who wanted a healthier alternative to smoking after his dad died from lung cancer attributed to smoking. So there is a conversation to be had about adult smokers transitioning to vaping, but that is not the conversation we are having here today. The bottom line for teens is this. E-cigs do contain harmful chemicals, formaldehyde, heavy metals, benzene, lead, nickel, paint thinner, or volatile organic compounds in addition to nicotine. Not to mention the devices themselves can explode. Tobacco-free and nicotine-free options are the only healthy choice for still-developing teen brains, which are incredibly susceptible to addictive chemicals and behaviors. Research tells us that about one in three kids in high school will try vaping. This means all of you out there listening, about one in three of us could be impacted by this issue. You'll either discover your teen is vaping or they might try to disclose to you they are vaping. In my experience as a pediatric nurse practitioner, most teens who are vaping are not telling their parents and their parents only know if they accidentally discover a vaping device. Honestly, I've never encountered a teen who is vaping who has had any sort of conversation with their parents about it. Now listen, if you want to get all the scoop on vaping and be up to speed and know all the things, you can find that information in Chapter 5 of Behind Closed Doors. You need to read it to be prepared to have a conversation with your teen. But today, here on this podcast, 
let's focus on conversation keys and how to have that talk with your teen. It can be overwhelming to learn about all of these health threats, but let's do a check-in right here and remember, the purpose in this journey is not to invest your time in studying health issues in an attempt to connect with your teen, but to study your teen with the intent to connect. The goal is not to make you a content expert on vaping, but to make you an expert relationship builder. Relationship stress is inevitable in the intersection of criminality with teens and vaping. Every week I see underage teens arrested or criminally charged for possession of vaping paraphernalia. Someone on my publishing team when I was writing this chapter experienced a police resource officer hired to provide security intercept a teen vaping at a youth group Wednesday night church event. This is everywhere. Listen to Behind Closed Doors audiobook for the time I was accosted at a mall kiosk. But let's go to that moment of disclosure or discovery. It's so easy to lose our cool, lose our minds, in fact, when we discover our teens are doing something that is potentially threatening to their health, their safety, or their future. In these challenging moments, our first reaction is certainly not usually compassion or empathy or wise understanding. It's usually, you guessed it, anger, and a lot of it. The truth is we aren't really angry at our teen as much as we are angry at the fact they've encountered a situation or made a choice that threatens to derail their future. We're angry at being blindsided, We feel badly we didn't see this coming. That's why it's important to think through these challenging moments of discovery and decide in advance how you're going to respond. How you react in those moments can permanently shape your child's self-image and the way in which they will bring future health concerns to you to disclose in the future. You're going to be angry in the moment, but you can do like my youngest child tells me, Count to three and think of all the things you're thankful for. Walk away. But before you do, say, I'm very upset right now. I have questions. We'll have a conversation in just a little bit when I calm down. But no matter what it looks like right now, I love you. And I know we will find a way to work through this together. Just practicing that one little response in advance will help you not to rely on the volatility and unpredictability of emotions. We need to cultivate a position of empathy when our kids access these health threats. I'm not saying there aren't any consequences, but I'm saying you should consider that the natural consequences they will face will likely be greater than anything you can pile on top of that. Guilt over their actions can be a healthy response, signaling a need for behavior change. Shame, on the other hand, tells us who we are is wrong, and our teens don't need us to pile on that shame. So revisit the love your teen model. If you're following along in the book, you should be practicing it and getting pretty good at it by now. 
Now it's time to welcome my co-host, Pastor Brian Haynes, pastor of Bay Area Church and Bay Area Christian School in League City. Welcome back, Pastor Brian. Thank you so much. Well, today we're talking about vaping, which is not something you usually talk about in church. I don't know about you, but I've never been to Sunday school and had this on the agenda, never looked in my concordance and find verses in the Bible about vaping. But what do you see through your perspective as spiritual implications of vaping or smoking? Is there any connection? Generally, I think there is. Um, and where I would go with anything like vaping is uh, foundationally, the scripture teaches us that our bodies are the temple of God. So we can do a lot of things with our bodies that are damaging, um, like vaping that I think are uh, counter to what God's best is for us. And so, you know, honestly, we don't have Sunday school lessons about it, but we talk about it from time to time, specifically in our youth ministry, specifically in our school, uh, because it, it's just, it's a, it's a real issue. And uh, it's a question of where are they turning for what, what I would call stress relief, Piece, a little bit of take the edge off, you know, how, how are they uh, coming up with that in their, their life? And um, so we would say, hey, this, is, this isn't good because your body is a temple of God. You're not taking care of it when you vape. Well, there's a story in the Old Testament, which everybody, you know, when you start to read in the Old Testament, you think, okay, these stories are kind of weird, if we're just going to be honest. And there's a story in Ezekiel 37 about a valley of dry bones that come to life with the breath of God. This actually inspired Sarah Daigle's popular song, Come Alive, which mm -hmm. you may or may not have connected to Ezekiel 37. But it talks about the breath of God. And when we're talking about our breath and God's breath, how how can we look at this Old Testament story and find something that applies to us today? Yeah, so first of all, that, that story tells us a lot about who our God is. Um, he is a restorative God. He's the kind of God that brings dead things to life. So paralleling that, deep theological, like this is a God who, who really, the, the whole of scripture is bringing dead things to life through, through Christ. I mean, it's amazing. You sum it up just like that. But when we parallel that with vaping, um, when, when we're vaping or smoking or drinking too much or anything like that, what we're doing is we're choosing what I would call the difference between a restorative sort of life-giving God and something we've made with our own hands to try to produce a similar result. I think the prophet Jeremiah spoke on God's behalf and said, you know, I have these two things against you. You've forsaken me, fountains of living water, and hewn with your own hands these broken cisterns where there is no water. And that's kind of like what vaping is or just alcohol abuse or drug addiction or anything like that. that we become sort of uh, dependent on something to make us feel okay. Uh, when we're supposed to be really drinking this living water from this God that takes dead things and makes them alive, vaping is never going to do that. Um, and so it's something we drink and we, or we, we vape and we think, okay, I feel okay, but you just got to do it again. You just got to do it again. You just got to do it again. It's, it's an 
I'm going to call it, I'm just going to be preacher Brian for a minute and say, <laughs> this is idolatry. When Ooh. we turn to something to meet our needs, that isn't God. That is a tough truth, mm-hmm. but it is. And I want to go back for to something that you said, because some of my favorite sermons that I've heard you do and your Facebook lives talk about living water. And your kind of motto that you use a lot is keep drinking. And mm-hmm. you say that. Can you share with us what that is? Because I find that such an inspiring message of hope that mm-hmm. you have. So the entire Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 21 takes place in a metaphor of life called the wilderness or the desert. And I mean, you see it, Adam and Eve sin, Genesis chapter three, they, they're removed from the garden, they go into the wilderness. The book of Numbers, that book, Numbers in Hebrew, into the wilderness is what it means, Ba Midbar. It is, uh, it is a desert kind of life experience. But Jesus, making a long story really short when jesus meets the woman at the well in the in samaria he offers her uh, water that if she drinks it she'll never thirst again it changes her life in fact that john chapter 4 says her whole village comes to christ for this living water they want what she has after she meets him uh in uh john chapter 7 Jesus goes to the festival of Sukkot in, or tabernacles in Jerusalem, and they're celebrating God's provision, manna from heaven, water from a rock in the wilderness when they were wandering the wilderness for 40 years. And the high priest is doing this water libation ceremony, and everybody's chanting, Maim Hayim, which is living water. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people wow. chanting maim haim maim haim and john 7 it says jesus stood up and cried out in a loud voice it says it's on the last day of the feast that's how we know is the water libation ceremony and then it says he stood up and cried out in a loud voice that's how we know everybody's chanting it's that moment and he says if anyone's thirsty let him come to me and drink and he's saying, like, I'm, I'm what you're looking for. You're, you're crying out for living water. I'm it. And then on the cross, John just follows this thread. On the cross, Jesus says, I thirst. It's one of the seven sayings, seven things he said on the, on the cross before he died. Right before he died, I thirst. So if he is living water, then you have this picture of living water becomes thirsty. So you never have to become thirsty again. So when we're vaping or drinking too much or going to any source other than the living water, other than the one that can make these dry bones come to life, we're really, um, we're really cheating ourselves from the goodness that God designed us to experience in Him. Well, when you tell stories like that, it just makes the scripture come to life. And I know that one of the ways that you've done that is you've actually traveled extensively into Israel. And how how has that changed your view of the story that you just told? How how does that make your faith uh, strengthened? Well, that that has been the biggest influence on my faith. I've been going there since two thousand six and leading tours, uh, hiking tours there and in Turkey. Um, And I spent a lot of time in the wilderness, honestly, all those deserts of the Bible, all those wilderness places that Elijah and Moses and all of them 
Uh, the psalmist is a desert psalmist. I've spent a lot of time there because it's a picture of life. And I wanted to learn all about it and who God is in that. And it is, it ha- it's really an Eastern document that we come at with Western eyes, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, we have to, we have to understand. I mean, I go, if I need water, I go to my sink right. and get filtered water from a water softener and drink it. And that's it, you know, but if you're a Bedouin shepherd, you have to, and living in the wilderness, like in the time of David or the time of Moses, you have to know where to find water. And, uh, and that we in life have to know where to find water. Sometimes we forget we're living in a desert. We, we recognize it when bad things happen, when, you know, we realize like what's happening right now is beyond what I can control or fix. That's when we know we're living in a desert. The other cool thing I would just mention is that the deeper the people go into the wilderness, the greater the miracles of God are. So like in the deepest wilderness where there is no water and no food, he gives them manna from heaven and water from a rock. Uh, And it's the same is true in life. Like there are times in life you go through that part of the desert where there's, you can't on your own manufacture something that's going to fix it. And, but that's where the greatest miracles take place. It's so compelling listening to you talk because I think a lot of people who have uh, preconceived notions about what it means to walk with Jesus, to be a Christian, they have this view of these rituals, of spiritual rituals of you have to go to church, you have to read your Bible, you have to not say bad words. You know, it's all of this list of rules. But in listening to you talk, it's really not about rituals at all. You're presenting a completely different paradigm. And so what advice do you have for parents and teens to develop healthy spiritual habits? Mm -hmm. Because I think that their tendency is going to be, I need to make sure my kids in church, you need to do your devotional every day. Did you say your bedtime prayers? And, you know, did you do all of the right things? Did you not post anything, you know, correct on inappropriate on social media? You're really talking about something, a totally different approach. So what advice do you have for mm-hmm. parents who maybe think, hey, I want I want to have living water in my home? Yep. I say first of all, relax a little bit. Like don't don't make a list of 15 things you have to do to be spiritual in your home, because that's gonna drive everybody crazy. For sure. But start looking for the God moments. So if you know, God is the God. I think it's Isaiah that says he rides over the deserts. If he's the good shepherd in the desert, then he's doing work. And we have to be, we have to have eyes to see, we have to be watching for the God moments. And so I think like like base level, the one of the best things you could do is start pointing your teenager to the God moment. Like I saw it that's got to be God. Let's talk about it. Um, you know, we, I went through a really um, challenging time where we had Hurricane Harvey in Houston, and I was like deeply, deeply involved with that for months and months and months and months. And then we had like the Santa Fe High School shooting, right. uh, and I was deeply involved, did a funeral for one of the teachers that died deeply involved with kids that were there all that kind of stuff we had a tragic event in our family and uh, i was my doctor actually di- diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress and he said 
um, man, your rhythms are all out of whack. You know, you need to get back to some things uh, because I was helping, helping, helping so much that I didn't have time to like stop and look for God. I didn't make time. And so here's what I learned. I learned, uh, number one, I need to go to the water source every day. So I just need to drink from Jesus. And for me, that was the book of Psalms. I just, every day for six months in the Psalms, just drink. My doctor actually said, hey, you've been competitive your whole life, but you haven't been competitive the last you know, 10, 12 years. You need to get into something that, because it's all connected. You're your spiritual life, your emotional life, your physical life. Why don't you try CrossFit? I was like, okay. And that rhythm became actually a really good outlet for me. I didn't need to vape. I didn't need to drink. I didn't need to do any of that. I just needed to do some of those good for my body that became sort of like uh, a rhythm. Going to church is actually a great rhythm. You know, it's it's one of those things that... Um, Again, you'd, you'd expect the pastor to say, but when you gather with one, in one accord to worship Jesus and you're with other people, there are, some are having the best days in their life and some are having the worst days of their life and you, you mix it up with them and you love each other well and you leave, that rhythm is really, really, really healthy. And so the path for healing for me was nowhere to drink water when you're in the wilderness, when you're in the deepest part of the desert, nowhere to find water, prayer, study the scripture, uh, do something to get all that stuff, that emotion, that angst, that anger, that all that, that I had had absorbed, do something to get it out. That's productive. Right. And then recenter yourself by community with other people that are focused on healthy things. So, well, I think this is an episode I'm going to be playing on repeat for myself because you've given us such great advice. I mean, it's so encouraging and inspiring to see you here as a pastor who has access to a lot of knowledge and spiritual resources to say, hey, yeah, I was struggling with this, but knowing how to access those resources and, and using them, but taking that paradigm of, of just keep drinking, just that mm. simple. That is a beautiful picture that I'll be carrying with me for a long time to come. Yeah, it's a good word. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Pastor Brian. As always, just thank you for giving us, uh, just encouraging our hearts and lifting us up so much. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. Well, that concludes Episode 6. We hope you join us next time. Here is your homework. Read Chapter 5 of Behind Closed Doors and do all the activities. Your legacy letter is an opportunity to revisit your child's first breath or a moment that took your breath away. Find me on Spotify and check out the breath-themed playlist to accompany the material in this chapter. Last but not least, subscribe at drnursemama.com to access all the resources waiting just for you. See you next time on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, home of happy parents and healthy teens. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. You can find Pastor Brian at brianhaines.org or on Facebook at Dr. Brian Haynes. Tune in next time and invite a friend.